What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the From Downtown Podcast. I'm your host, Dahani Joseph, and today it is Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals. The Boston Celtics taking on the Miami Heat. Boston has won the last three straight against Miami Heat after losing the first three games of this series. It has been an improbable run, capped off by Derek White's game-winning tip with .1 seconds on the clock. Boston fans elated Miami fans distraught but now winner take all the two best words in sports game seven today we brought on austin barrick to talk about the emotions the roller coaster that was game six the fourth quarter what led up to the amazing game winning tip by Derek white and then we go into our expectations for game seven what we expect from both boston and miami the keys what boston needs to do to win I'm excited. He was excited for this game. It's going down tonight. Cue that music. guys we are here monday may 29th a year ago today the same matchup was occurring in the eastern conference finals a game seven boston celtics miami heat eastern conference finals and it was boston coming out victorious eventually heading to the finals to play golden state but eventually they lost but it's a new year same matchup this time boston a little bit of a different route to going to game seven Going down 0-3 to the Miami Heat, something nobody expected to happen. But the resiliency of the group, Coach Joe Mazzula, I will give him credit where credit is due. He got this team to a point where, you know, never say die. They were playing defense like how they were last year, making sure that everything was tough on Miami. And now we are here at a Game 7. Austin Barrick joining us here today. Austin, just your initial thoughts on the whole Game 6. The last few minutes, we're going to get into specifics, but just your overall impressions on how the game went. Yeah, it's it's crazy that we're here today talking about a game seven to Hani. Um, game six was a game that we controlled as Celtics fans. From a Celtic perspective, Boston was in control of the game. Um, and then, just like game seven in Miami last year, around that four and a half minute mark, I, I said it, I, I pointed to you, I'm like, this is where we fall apart. I don't think we, we hit a shot until obviously the Derek White tipping at the end. Um, Miami got to the foul line. Jimmy Butler, who was bad all game long, not just like the missed shots, but also he just looked stuck in the mud throughout most of the game. Um, he had that and one on Horford driving to the rim where Horford didn't know if he wanted to challenge it or or get a charge who's stuck in no man's land. Then he hit that three from like the right corner. And then he comes down and does this stupid half double dribble, half leading in just to get a call, not really intending to shoot it kind of thing. Gets the three free throws, makes it kind of like a Kyle guy 
in the Final Four against Auburn in 2019. And and what do we know? We're we're staring at we're staring at elimination with three seconds left. Confidence level zero. How many times have we been in a final shot situation and it's gone poorly? At least this time, Azul called a timeout and good stuff happened. Um, but man, it felt like and someone I heard this point brought up. It felt like the 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 Seahawks Patriots Super Bowl. Patriots take control of the whole game, mm-hmm. then the. Jermaine curse catch happens. That was like Miami coming back late and all of a sudden going from a win to a loss. And then right in the jaws of defeat, you snatch victory, the Malcolm Butler interception, the Derek white tip in. That's what it felt like crazy that we're here. Yeah. And from a Celtics fan's perspective, watching this team all year long, post games are our kryptonite. You know, it, it was, it was almost inevitable for this team to lose. I'm honestly shocked. You mentioned not scoring for like the remainder. You look at four minutes. I have the play-by-play up here. The last made field goal outside of Derek White's shot was at 456 mark. Uh, Marcus Smart driving layup. That was the and one uh, yeah. against Duncan Robinson. That was their last made field goal. There were some free throws here and there. Marcus Smart had a free throw after the and one, obviously. Tatum had some. Brown, Smart again. But the scene, they couldn't manufacture any shots for the remainder of the game until that last shot, which is sort of reminiscent of what we've been seeing all year long. So I I think this win was extremely lucky, extremely lucky. You you talk about Tim Legler on on SportsCenter. I was watching the SportsCenter later that night. The ball had to be exactly at that point where it came off, right at that left side where uh, Derek White was at or else that wouldn't the game would have been over there would have been no putback obviously you can talk about White not being boxed out by Max Struess you can get into all the other little semantics that go on with that but just luck that that's the word that comes to mind with me luck and you know luck yes 100% bowl so there were some great plays that were made Jason Tatum early on that game he was spectacular in the first half he was looking like the old Jason Tatum where we expected him to put up 30 a night, be the superstar that he was in the first half. Absolutely sensational. I think he ended with like 25 in the first half, and everything was clicking for him. Jalen Brown got going early, which is usually a, a good sign for Celtics. When Jalen Brown gets going early, I think that sets his home for everyone else. Marcus Smart hitting big threes after big threes. You know, I'm happy with that first half. Second half just sort of got away from them. It was more Miami Heat, a lot of getting to the line, as you mentioned before. Duncan Robinson, uh, Celtics fans, if the if Boston Celtics win this game, Duncan Robinson should get, I don't know, a stipend. He should get a check because there were two wide open threes. I, I wrote it down here. 124 in the fourth quarter, missed three. That would have tied the game at 100. And then another missed three at 21.2 seconds to put the heat up to. If either of those shots drop, I think Miami wins that game. Yeah, this is like, well, I was so reminiscent of game seven last year in Miami, um, the collapse where it's like, wait, we were in control the whole game. Now what's going on? It's like a car crash in slow motion. That first one you mentioned, that was off a missed free throw. I think Kayla Martin came in and then Jalen looks at Robinson and goes, nah, I'm not going to close out. He dribbles, shoots it long. All right. Bullet, you know, uh, you know, we miss, we you know, miss the bolt, whatever the phrase is there. Then the next one, again, off another like missed shot by the Celtics. 
in transition kind of left wing deeper. And Jalen actually kind of made a decent closeout attempt for that one, and, and Robinson missed again. But I will say, the Heat aren't in that position unless Spo plays Duncan Robinson that fourth quarter. The third quarter was so stuck in the mud because the, the refs kept blowing the whistle every 10 seconds because a guy would trip here, a guy would get pushed in the back with minimal contact here, that kind of stuff. It was stuck in the mud. Spo puts in Robinson, and he changes the complexion of the game because Boston's like, it's like we've never seen a backdoor cut before where Robinson does that stuff. He made that three where Horford had a pretty good contest to cut it yeah. to one. Um, so Robinson's energy, and, and he missed the light at the lucky layup that Butler put back because, you know, good stuff happens when you drive. So Robinson's impact helped Miami. And then obviously everyone's going to point to the two missed three pointers that were clutch for us. Um, and to the point about the lucky shot at the, or the lucky tipping at the end, Bruce had to help out on Tatum. They didn't want to clean catch for him but he was already like way away from the play like if the ball went into Tatum that's why like I thought it was actually smart by White to wait and not pass at Tatum because his momentum was carrying him towards you know the outbounds yeah yeah so he would have had like one or two dribbles and had had to launch a really low percentage shot at least smart turned and got a decent look in and out and this is where I go you know the age old there's no such thing as a bad shot as a bad as a good miss no such thing as a good miss that was a good miss because it was in yeah. and out. The ball was right there. And actually, Tatum had the other side covered, too, because Tatum crashed the glass, and he would have had an opportunity from the right side if it missed to the right, misses to the left, and White's there. Um, unbelievable ending. Such a bailout. Yes, we did get lucky. But, again, as I was telling you before we started recording here, if Miami had won off of that BS that Butler pulled in the corner – it, it would have been really disheartening. It's not like that. I think karma even itself up, especially after Butler, like guaranteeing a game six, like enough of that stuff, man. So man, uh, I'm kind of, I'm kind of rambling here, but I'm just there so happy on that game. And let's talk about that corner three and more specifically Al Horford who committed the foul. You know, I, I was I, I've spoke about this so many times. I thought Al Horford was done about two, three years ago. He has proved me wrong. But this playoff series is kind of defensively, he still has his moments. He had that big block on Bam Adebayo. That was huge. That got me up out of my seat. Oh yeah. Three, three point shooting, not as good as he was in the regular season. Regular season, he was hovering around 45%. Obviously, is that sustainable? Probably not, unless you're one of the greatest shooters of all time. But all his shots were wide open. He's getting around the same looks last night. He had he was 0 for 2 from three-point range, 2 for 6 overall. But some of the more stupid fouls that he took it was surprising because his, he's a veteran, obviously. He's been in the league since, what, 2007, 2006? The foul against the three-point shot, obviously, is the one that people will look at. But the end one that Jimmy Butler had late, uh, I'm trying to remember one time, but there was a late drive. He got an end one, got the free throws. He made the free throws. He's I'll swipe down at the ball. You don't swipe down in that situation, especially with the, the time against you guys. Jimmy Butler, a master of drawing fouls. I think you just put your hands up. If he makes it great, there's no foul. If but you're swiping down, giving him a chance for an end one. I just think Al Horford sort of made some poor decision making, which is rare of Al Horford. He's usually that savvy veteran guy who makes the great defensive plays. Those were two boneheaded plays by him, which is again rare. And again, that three-point shot by Jimmy Butler, does that happen like 10 times out of 10? 
that they make that call. Uh, I don't know. That was a that was a bailout. That was a, a terrible bailout call. Now I'm just if that call doesn't go through, they win. And even if he makes it, like if Al is off him a little bit, he makes it. Great for great for the Heat. Great for Jimmy Butler. But that's a tough shot to begin with. And then to call the foul, I just just rub me the wrong way. Not even as a Celtics fan, as a basketball fan in general. Yeah, it just seemed like Butler just didn't have like the legs for whatever reason that game. Like he was just and this is like it this goes back to the conversation of like, wait, how is Jimmy Butler this effective if like he doesn't have like that deep of a bag, so to speak? Like it's he's predicated on like jab steps, shot fakes, and picking his spots and having a good mid-range game. Like he's not a threat from from three point. Uh, distance typically he doesn't really take three pointers um obviously he hit, hit that one uh, like a minute earlier but just to go in the corner and to manu and just to manufacture free throws i completely agree with you donnie it rubbed me the wrong way it was like of course this is how the celtic season is going to end some bs like this just devastating stuff and then it would have been a whole conversation of well we deserved to lose on a play like that because of how poorly we had played in the last four and a half minutes. Um, something like that. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And so, you know, yeah, we, we play the results as I guess we should, but, um, and yeah, your point about Horford. Yeah. He was shooting 44.6% from three in the regular season. These last two playoff series, his last 13 games, he's shooting 26.6%. That's a massive drop off. drop off. Um, so man, in these like, and I got a feeling game seven tonight's going to come down to some of those shots. I feel like it's going to be a close game. So, um, unless we just have all the legs and Miami's still defeated, like Shaq was pointing out after the game on the TNT broadcast. Um, I just think it's going to come down to a close, it's going to be a close, low scoring game. And I, I really hope that we can overcome that because that's the type of game that Miami's going to thrive in. Yeah, before we get into game seven, just know about the free throw disparity. Uh, well, not necessarily disparity. I think the free throws were pretty even. Now I'm looking 29 to 34. Okay, Celtics had a little bit of an advantage with Boston. 15 to 15 from Tatum. 8 of 10 mm-hmm. from Brown, which is probably the most surprising thing because you alluded to this last time we were talking. Brown rarely hits both of his free throws if he goes to the line. That's just the thing. It's his mechanics more than anything. As I watch him, he sort of has a hitch. And it's free throwing hands. If you watch it compared yeah. to a jump shot, it's way less fluid. The power transfer isn't quite there. So it's usually a straight line drive for him, which obviously lowers the chance if there's more of an arc. But 8 of 10, I'll, I'll give him that. Tatum, 0 of 8 from three-point range last game, which you wouldn't have expected considering he ended the game with 31. Great from the mid-range, got to the line, did everything you wanted. But the three-point shot lacking. Jalen Brown, 0 of 4. Lacking. It was Smart who had the most threes, which was four out of 11. Smart is always that X-Factor guy. If you yeah. get 20-plus points from him, high probability you win. Just because you're you're not expecting it. If you get it, great. Derek White is more likely, I think. And Malcolm Brogdon, who was out of the game, which I thought would, would have been a bigger cog to this whole machine when Malcolm Brogdon was out, because he's going to give you 15 at least on any given night, plus playmaking. Did they say he would be back for game seven was that rules he's, he's he's active for game seven okay yeah that that's a that's someone big who can you know be a spark off the bench give you 20 points he can have a 
a Grant Williams type of game where the Grant Williams He's been games pretty having bad. Like, aside from the first two games of the series, maybe because the injury caught up to him, but games three, four, and five, he has two total points. Mm. Which is uncharacteristic, to say the least, because obviously six man of the year, and you see what he what he what he could do, Milwaukee, Indiana. We know what he can do scoring wise and shooting the ball. I think it's a slump, and I don't think it's going to be as bad as Al Horford's slump. I think he's going to break out of it any time to do it. It'll be Game Seven. Do we see a yeah. Game Seven Jason Tatum performance, mm, as he did in Philadelphia? I, I hope so. I hope he another fifty point masterpiece. That's that's what they need, and they need a blowout. I was telling my friends this earlier. We need to blow out the Boston Celtics. I don't want to see them in a close game like this for the rest of the playoffs. It has to be a blowout. I need 20 plus threes, 40, 40 plus percent. That's the key to victory right there. I mean, I wish it were that, like, I imagine if it was that, like, that simple where it's like, all right, guys, game seven at home, let's press that game seven at home button where we just blow teams out. I mean, we've it's seen happening. it. We, we, we've we, seen we it. And seen this it. is what this team has been this entire year. Yeah. But, um, I think there's just something different about the heat, just the heat and how they just game six was just like they knew they are. They know they aren't the better team. Like it, it is so frustrating to me to see Max Struess, who sucks at handling the basketball, get at like he can't go anywhere when he's dribbling. And we're like, wait, why are we in a game with this guy on the court? Oh, because he hits contested threes in your mouth. Um but to, to see that, and to see, I think they finally got rid of Zeller and Love playing them this series, but they were earlier. To see Caleb Martin hit every single shot from the right wing or the right corner. Oh, don't get me started with Martin. I'm I'm so – whenever I watch him play, I, as a basketball player, sure, great. He's doing his thing. But right now, do you have to do that right now? I don't think he's had – he had 23 and 10 game six. I don't think he had 23 and 10 in his life before that. For, Bro, he's been unconscious this series. And the announcers bring it up every time he scores. He's been the best Heat player this series. And he probably actually is um, just this series. Um, but there's something about how Tatum – Tatum's 0 for 8 on game 6 wasn't a fluke because his three-pointers were not in rhythm. His attempts were not in rhythm. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. And Whereas that game seven versus Philly, he was feeling himself. Those were in rhythm shots. Um, if we can move the ball, remember that swish he had off of that amazing ball movement in game five, where by the way, Tatum had like one of the greatest passes I've ever seen. He goes up, it's like above his head and he spins and throws it to the corner in one motion. Um, reminded me of how I play pickup basketball. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> but, um, and the ball finds him, swishes the, the left wing three, and he hypes up the crowd. Those are the type of three-point shots that get Tatum in rhythm, not the stuff where he's kind of almost second-guessing, kind of has that hitch, kind of has that two guys on him kind of thing, or he, he does that left-handed in-and-out dribble to create a little bit of space, but that does a line drive shot instead of a, a real arcing shot. Mm -hmm. uh, I know this is nitty-gritty, but um, if we can move the ball and generate good looks for him and Brown, uh, that's the key. Ball movement beats good defense every time. Yeah, absolutely. So keys to the game for me, uh, you have to shoot it well, uh, maybe not 40 percent, but you have to shoot it well enough to where, you know, obviously you have to respect. I think when Boston is hitting their threes and they're able to pump fake, get into the lane, specifically Tatum and Brown, once they're able to get into the lane, that not only opens up driving kick opportunities to guys like Al, guys like Grant Williams, that'll open up their offense completely. 
or, you know, Tatum will get to the rim. He'll finish or get fouled. And when Bam Adebayo's the only center, the only real center, obviously you have Zeller in there too, but he's not really doing anything. You have to attack the heat in the paint and find those switches, whether it be Gabe Vincent. They did a lot of that in game five and six. I'm forgetting which one more, but Marcus Smart, a lot of time, I think it was game six, Marcus Smart had Gabe Vincent. He was just going at him in the post. And I think you have to do a lot of that. Find those switches, get Duncan Robinson, do that so you can get your offense going. Don't just try and one-on-one with Jimmy Butler, a, a guy that's an all-team all defensive guy. Don't do that. Look for the mismatches, find your threes, and hold Bam and Abad's less than 20 points. I don't have to say right now, but whenever Bam and Abad's less than 20 points, the Heat are not nearly as effective winning games. So those are my keys for this one. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I would, to add on to your point about hunting those, those matchups in the post, I'd also be smart about that. You know, there's been some points made about the, the refereeing crew with both Tony Brothers and Scott Foster on for tonight's game seven. Um, but Lowry will flop. So don't let him bait you into one of those, you know, flopping offensive foul calls, which yeah. I hate. Um, I respect Vincent because I, I don't think he flops in the post. I think he just holds his ground. Yeah. Um, and Smart's done a great job of, of shooting over him. Um, Caleb Martin has been known to flop. Um, and uh, I'm forgetting the other guard that they play. But um, but just be smart with, with how you play those matchups um, because I would hate to have to see those ticky-tack offensive foul calls. And and part of that paint presence is, is the lobs to Rob. I, I, it just feels like every time Rob gets at least two of those lobs, we win. I, like I yeah. can't prove that. It's just a feeling that I have, and and especially when they go zone because they play that zone. Like I feel like at the start of every second fourth quarter they play that zone, and it doesn't always work out for the Celtics. Um, but that's when when Rob can can really make them pay with those offensive rebounds and, and lobbing it up to him. Yeah, and I remember Game Six. Tatum had a great lob pass. He was, it was he was feeling himself offensively, but he took the zone. He threw it up to Rob. Thunderous jam, and I'm like, those are the type of moments where not only momentum in TD Garden that would bring the crowd. Like if they weren't already there, they're all the way at the roof now. They're yelling. They're in this game for sure. And that's a momentum shift in the actual ball game. When you get a dunk like that, Spoelstra will probably call a timeout and you know re recalibrate his guys but i think moments like those are what you need against the heat because they're a veteran team they're poised but every once in a while those back-breaking type of shots that's what you need and tatum another key for him don't be afraid to be a distributor i know sometimes he's pat i mean score first which obviously he's a leading scorer average 30 the first celtic in history to do so in the regular season but at the same time you know defense is going to be honed in on you. So be a willing passer. You'll get the ball back. And on catch and shoot threes, he is a high percentage guy. So just move the ball around. The ball will eventually find you. And I honestly think, you know, when Jalen Brown's in there as well, he can be on one wing. Tatum can be on the other side operating. Ball finds one of them at some point. Good things happen for Boston. Yeah. And, and Tatum's obviously going to be key. Um, that's not a hot take to say, but I thought he had some great quotes about, you know, saying after game six, I'd go to battle with every guy in the locker room. Um, that video of him and Brown, like, hugging each other, putting their foreheads together in the locker room. Um, 
Tatum like putting his arms around Missoula and whoever was to his left. I think it was some assistant coach. Um, and saying how like there's never been a time in my life that I've been more excited to go back to Boston, play in front of those fans. I know it's gonna be gonna be crazy in there. I am though a little bit worried, Hani. I want to I want to I want to see what you think about this. The ticket prices, as you might imagine, are outrageous. And uh, because after I told myself, man, if it goes to game seven, I'm going to be there no matter what. I'm going to be in the garden. I have to experience a potential historic moment. These prices are still are still too, too expensive for me to pull the trigger right now. They have been coming down today, steadily coming down, but they are very, very expensive. I am a little worried that maybe it's just a narrative that's floating out there on Twitter that it's pricing out the true Celtics fans. And mm. I might be a little bit worried about that. But I also feel like with all the 04 Red Sox stuff and the 3-0 thing, like I I have to believe that the garden is going to be absolutely nuts, right? It has to be right. Uh, I, I'm not a Red Sox guy, but I understand the history. I understand the importance of coming back from 03. Never been done in NBA history. 0 150. I mean, if Boston is able to do that, not only does this series go down in history just because of that, but if the Boston Celtics eventually go on to beat Denver, maybe one of the most improbable uh, runs to a championship ever. I think yeah. that's fair to say. I think the the Garden, you know, it has to be electric. Game seven in general in postseason, it's going to be like that. But with the history you mentioned, I, I'm curious, how much are, like, the worst seats going for? Yeah, so we're timestamping this. It's 1.27 p.m. on, on Monday, May 29th, uh, 2023. Um, for two tickets, you can get you can get top of the balcony for two tickets at 6.40 each before fees. Mm-hmm. These fees are two hundred plus. Yeah. So, without spending any food or transportation, you're dropping nearly nine hundred dollars on tickets for for three people. The the best price right now before fees, one twenty seven p.m. is six hundred and fifty seven dollars each. Mm. Um, I think right after Game Six, they were. In the high four hundreds, low five hundreds. Okay. They yesterday Sunday they got up to as high as uh like seven eighty cheapest seven eighty cheapest before fees, um. So they they've come down by a hundred plus at this point, but but the fees thing is just brutal. Yeah, the um, fees are gonna get you. So um and then like so those are the worst tickets. Those are the worst tickets. Um, to look at like the map, for instance, oh, a uh, few thousand easily. Yeah, it's uh like five thousand plus. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm I'm pretty sure if you want to be courtside, I can't even look at courtside tickets right now. But I'm pretty sure those people are playing, paying anywhere between ten k and thirty k. Yeah, um, easily. And I'll I'll let you know. I, I was looking at uh Knicks tickets back when they were in the postseason. And they were they were more because it's just New York and everything expensive. I think the worst seats were like in the thousand range. So automatically that's crazy. Oh yeah. Be, oh and my it, it makes sense, right? When was the last time the, the Knicks were in the Eastern Conference semifinals? So they were they were raising the tickets. I looked at 
like mid mid tickets, easily four thousand in that range. I didn't look at seat tick like courtside tickets, but I can only imagine those were probably in the ten, twenty, thirty thousands, all for celebrities, of course. But yeah, man, this this is how the NBA makes their money. You got their TV deals, obviously. Learn about that shadow com one seventeen. Learn about the TV deals, but yeah. <laughs> you know this. Man, it is expensive. It is expensive to go to these games, no doubt about it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, hopefully they, they substantially drop. I just, the, the fees kill you, uh, which I didn't really anticipate. But, um, but yeah, I just, I hope that the energy is good. What I would hate is if the heat make it, if they keep, keep, keep hanging around, hanging around, and it becomes a weird energy in the crowd and they get anxious and it's like, oh, here we go again with the collapse, the late fourth quarter execution. All that kind of stuff where Celtics are maybe throwing it, jacking up four three point attempts, don't go in, heat going transition, maybe Duncan Robinson hits a three, Max Struess hits the three, Band gets a follow up offensive rebound dunk. These are stuff that I hate, obviously. And then, like, also the idea of, like, oh man, gonna be a celebration in Boston, historic day, 04, never been done before, 04 Red Sox gonna be there. And then, what if Miami just wins? What if Miami just wins and it's like three nothing for nothing? That would that would be pretty pretty devastating stuff right there. Uh, but it's an outcome that I I can't ignore. But it's an outcome that I don't want to think about. History is not on the on Boston side. There have been three other series that have went to Game Seven after an O three hole. It was the New York Knicks and the Rochester Royals. Uh, I'm getting the other two. I know the Denver, Denver Nuggets in the, was in there in the 90s, and I think there was a Portland one here or there. So not too Portland, many Dallas, series. I think, 03. Yes, yeah, Portland-Dallas. So who was Denver? I'm forgetting off the top of my head. Anyway, it had never been done, and that's what makes it so exciting for Celtics fans. You know, you talk about the history, so much history. Jason Tatum doing some historic things himself, obviously 30 points per game, only Celtic in history to do that. Tied with Larry Bird, I believe, in – most points it was 500 or more in multiple postseason runs that's substantial this Celtics team as great as they are something we've lamented again their late execution and their defense defensively they've stepped it up I will give them credit late execution it's tough right because you know you mentioned the shot that Marcus Smart got it wasn't a terrible shot I've seen the Boston get way worse shots and I'm not trying to say, oh, they, they did a perfect Greg Popovich, you know, inbound slip, and then someone ends up wide open unexplicably. It wasn't anything like that, but they were able to get a good shot off. And obviously, Derek White did the greatest of putbacks that'll go on in Celtics lore, win or lose, but obviously, win, it'll be more impactful. I just believe this Celtics team, they have to blow the heat out for it to, mm. to really be a. For, for them to win, to be quite honest with you, because I don't think we'll get as lucky with winning the way we did last night or, or two nights ago. I just don't think it'll be uh, – the luck is not on our side, even though it will be in Boston. You know, all everything will be in our favor. And the Heat have the most pressure on them. I don't think Boston has pressure the way the Heat does after losing three straight. There, there shouldn't be any pressure on, on Boston compared to what the Miami Heat have to go to. So I, I say blowout. I, I say it'll be a – uh, around 120, 102, 105. Wow. And I, I know that's that's optimistic to say the least, which I'm known to do. But you, you look at what Boston has been able to do, three point shooting this entire season. They've been 
one of the best scoring teams this year, one of the best three-point shooting teams this year. Miami, you know, they, they scored 19 points in the third quarter last game. Their offense was coming back to form, which is not that good. They were last in points per game this entire regular season. I've been saying this all postseason long. Miami will eventually regress to the mean. They'll go back to what they have been this entire season, which is one of the worst shooting teams, one of the best, one of the worst scoring teams in the entire league. Boston has always been at the top. I think that'll show in this postseason game. So we just have to wait and see. Yeah, that a blow up would be terrific. Um, it, it is interesting now that I think about it. I, it seems like we have an ability to win close road playoff games, but not have the ability to win ho- close home playoff That's games. That's the thing. Five and five in, in the garden this postseason. Yeah, and they were, yeah, they were all the, like the Trey Young shot, the James Harden shot. Um, uh, game five of Philly, where I guess that was a blowout. I think we just kind of sucked throughout. We, yeah, we talked about that one afterwards. Um, and then games one and two, we blew both of those in the fourth quarter. So those are single digit losses. Um, I'm looking here, I have Jason Tatum's game seven career stats pulled up. Mm. And this is good news if you're a Celtics fan. He's averaging nearly 29, nine, and, and five for his game seven career. This will be his seventh game seven. Um, I guess I was see. I was fortunate enough to see his first two when he was a young little nineteen year old. Um, against the Bucks. Yeah, he's still nineteen yeah, against crazy. the Bucks, and then against the Cavaliers. That video resurfaced a couple days ago. The the five year anniversary of that over LeBron, which was insane in the moment. Um, then obviously, yeah, he had fifty one just fifteen days ago against the Sixers. He's not going to have fifty-one a day, but if he can get thirty, I think we're in a good we're in a good spot. And I think a big thing with that is the free throws. He actually like what what impressed me. Like in game six, he's like, "Nah, I'm going to the line. I don't care. I'm putting my head down. I'm getting to the line. I'm going to be aggressive. I'm not going to be passive, Jason. I'm going to be aggressive, Jason." And that's always a that was fantastic to see. Um, this will be a 17th elimination game in this playoff history, um, which is also incredible. He's 11 and five in those games. Um, and they still, they show the stat like smart and, and Jalen with the Philly series. Like they're like seven and one, eight and one in game sevens. Mm-hmm. So history does favor us in terms of that. But your point about history for three O teams doesn't favor us. Oh, and three in those circumstances. Um, but I don't know how many of those teams were a seven point favorite at home. So, um, I'm not, I'm not going to make a prediction. I'm not allowed to make a prediction to honey, but I, I will say, I don't really see a blowout happening. I, I, if we win, we're going to have to win in a gritty way, which is new, but that just might have to be the recipe in this fairy tale story if you will that will be the recipe and for the miami heat you know they have been a thorn in the boston Celtics side since man forever it seems like before the postseason started i was like this is the one team that i do not want to see in the postseason didn't matter who else could have been milwaukee could have been philadelphia could have been the knicks i didn't care 
that I knew with the Miami Heat had psychologically with this Boston Celtics group. Now, if Game 7 goes Boston's way, I think they have a better shot against Denver than the Miami Heat do. I don't, don't want to get too ahead of ourselves here. We can have a whole conversation on, on another pod about that. But just in terms of what they're going through now and Denver, defensively, they aren't nearly the team that Miami is. Although they have been improved, I will say that. From the regular season to now, Denver has greatly improved defensively. You know, it's Jokic, it's Murray. Murray will have Tatum, Smart, Brown, White. You have four guys, probably more. Malcolm Brogdon, five guys you can throw at him. So he'll be worn out. You can't really do much with Jokic. He's going to be the best player in the game um, this postseason. That's a debate for another day. But, you know, just we understand what we have to do with the Boston – I mean, with the Denver Nuggets. I, I think it will be a way easier time than with the Miami Heat. But game seven is today, tonight, actually. And, uh, man, I'm I'm excited. I'm also nervous. Yeah, that's a great – yeah, ex- I think that's a great way of putting it. With many things in life, you can be excited and nervous at the same time. That's exactly what I'm also feeling, Dahani. Um, it would be so awesome if we can tap off this historic moment, um, but it would also be so deflating if we lose. Um, so I just, yeah, I'm hoping for the best um, and uh, and may the best team win, I guess. Yep. Austin, thank you so much for coming on here. We will hopefully see you soon for game one of the NBA Finals, Boston Celtics versus Denver Nuggets. I'm putting it into the put it into the universe now, hoping my words speak truth into the air. It's been good having you, man. Thank you, Dahani. Um, I will say though, if that game one does happen Thursday, um, that'll be a, a big travel day for me. So it might have to do that Wednesday. Um, but yeah, I'm not gonna jinx it, but I the Nuggets are a really, really strong team. I, I they they should be favored either versus either one of these teams tonight. Absolutely. Austin, I'll see you, man. Thank you so much. Thanks, Dahani. That's all for today, guys. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the From Downtown Podcast. Please make sure to like, rate, share with your family and friends. Rate it five stars so we can move up on the algorithms and more people can tune in to see what we're doing over here. It's game seven, guys. I'm really excited for what this game will entail. Like I said, told Austin, there's going to be a blowout. Uh, I feel it coming. Uh, I feel 20 plus threes, maybe 25 plus threes if we're really feeling really feeling good. The Boston Celtics are at home. We've seen them dismantle teams in game seven before. The records speak for themselves. Jason Tatum, a career near 30 point per game score in game seven history. Jalen Brown, seven and one. Marcus Smart, eight and one. These guys are winners in game seven in the postseason. History is on their side in that way. However, 0 and 150 teams trying to come back from three nothing deficits. It's going to be tough, but I have faith that Boston will be able to do it. We'll see you later tonight. Until next time, guys, take care. Mm-hmm.